This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. Good morning. So glad that you're here today in chapel. I know it's a busy time and got hazardous road conditions out there, so I appreciate you making your way over here today. Um, hey, it's a big year in the Ray household. Just give you a heads up here so you want to get your purchases lined up. It's the 25-year anniversary of Sue and I in August. We've been married 25 years. That's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, cash is fine. Merchandise is good as well. But uh, what I'd like to do, and next week, what's the big event coming next week? 14th? Valentine's Day. I know that can be like, ugh, for some people, but it is Valentine's Day next Friday. And uh, so I've got a couple of pieces of advice. One of the things that Sue and I do is we talk to a lot of people about their love life. And so I've got just a couple of pieces of it, romantic advice, and hopefully I can connect that later to what I'm saying. One is you do not have to marry every person you love. One of the things that can be a, tr a trendy thing, and I've heard this here, and I haven't heard anywhere else, that people say, I'm going to save saying I love you to the person that I marry. I only want to say that once, which, I mean, that's awesome. That's a good thing. But it puts an enormous weight on that term. If you say it, it's like a proxy for saying, will you marry me? And I think... You don't have to marry every person you love. Of course, you have to love every person you marry, but th there, are, there are so many other things that are a part of the person that you end up being with, and I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind. It can put a ton of stress on people. So that's just something that, as we've talked to people recently, that just kind of has come up on our radar. And the other thing is, when you find somebody that you think you may want to marry, one of the things, the character quality that is so important, I was just reading a big research study and then a book that came out of that research study on the effect of positivity. And being positive just means someone is, they're willing to say sorry. They are not critical. They generally have an open and generous view on life. And they say that that actually, the data has shown, these, and these are big studies, that that far out exceeds whatever you may initially feel when you're standing at the altar and the excitement. And that's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful moment. But positivity, once you get into the reality of building a life together, is huge. So, free charge. Valentine's coming up. Just keep those things in mind. I'd like to pray, and then we'll get rolling. Uh, Jesus, we commit this time to you. Thank you so much for the words that we just sang, that we don't have to worry, that we bring all that we have to you in the little or the abundance of that. And I pray in these moments, in this gym, that you would speak to us, strengthen me for what I have, and we just commit this time to you. And we pray this and ask this and commit and welcome uh, you, Jesus, and we ask this in your powerful name. Amen. All right, I want to talk for a little bit, and this is a message that has really touched me because this is a, this is a passage that I this year so want to be true in my own life. So that's why I wanted to speak on it, just to keep this thing going. So this is Psalm 86. I don't know how many of you have heard for, about Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's kind of a framework for praying. If you think, oh, I just, I'm stuck. I just keep saying the same things over and over again. That can be a helpful thing 
to just structure it with things that you adore God for, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, which is just another word of things that you ask for. But adoration can be one of those things that you think, I don't even know what, I keep saying the same things. Well, Psalm 86 is just what the doctor ordered. It is so good about drawing us all into a conversation about the things that are beautiful and wonderful about God. And it says things like, that he is forgiving and good in verse five. There's no one like you. You're great and marvelous deeds. You're compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, rich in faithfulness, all of those things. So I would encourage you, if you're looking for something to help you, just remind you again about the character of God, Psalm 86. And I wanna look at two verses in particular. And that is verse 11 and 12, which says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. I unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, my Lord, my God, with all of my heart and glorify your name forever. So what does this have for you and me, especially for me? One, to me, this is one of the great aspirations of our lives. What this, how this passage begins is this notion, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your commands. Teach me your ways and I will walk in your commands. This rhythm of God speaking and us responding and then God speaking and him responding to me is that in this moment is the aspiration of my life. That's what I wanna put on my tombstone. Now that I'm thinking I'm headed to the grave anytime soon. But that idea of teach me your, teach me your commands that I may walk in your path to me is the aspiration that in doing that, as I do my best, and this is one of the things I'm trying to do is when I wake up in the morning for this to be the first thing that, that I pray or think that goes through my mind and when I fall asleep, that when we do those sorts of things, when God speaks to us, maybe here in a chapel time or someplace else, and we step into that, I can almost guarantee, and I don't say this very often because with spiritual things, you gotta be so careful about setting up these little equations of this plus this always equals this. But to me, this is a close one on that, is that as we step into this, you will begin to see God in a way that you would never have and could never have any other way. To me, it is almost impossible for you not to gain a, a, a view into what God thinks, the thoughts of God, what's true and right and honorable and pure and lovely and excellent, all those things, and that you start to gain a, a picture of what God loves and what he cares about, because the things that he will call you to, or the commands that he'll lead you to, are all centered on the things that he loves and cares about and pivot around what's true, what, what we know to be true. And I, the thing is, this is so true with my relationship with my wife, and it's true with friendships and people that we're in relationships with all the time, is that as I have been with her for 25 years and responded to her and watched her and been with her, I know, I can just look at her face and somebody can say something and her lip will just go like this. I know exactly what she is thinking, which can be a good thing or not a good thing sometimes, depends on what the occasion was. And if I said the thing or... <laughs> It's just the things that she loves. If there's a house that's decorated, first thought is Sue would love to be in this house. It's not that you got a, that this is an awesome house. It's that, oh, she would love to see this. Or a really good chocolate chip cookie, not too snappy, not too bendy, but just right. 
I know when I have get one of those cookies, I think, man, Sue would love to have one of these cookies. And I, to me, that's exactly the way it is spiritually. The, the, the promise of God is as he calls you and I into things, that that is a window into stepping into something that you will see and experience God in a way that you couldn't have done before. Now, I want to say one thing and aside here that I know just because I talked to enough students that this is the case, that there are people that say, okay, that's awesome. But the problem is I don't hear from God. I don't, I try and I don't, I don't hear anything. And I don't know, is it me? Is it God? Is it, I don't, I don't know what the problem with that is. And I, I have to say that this is something that every Christian goes through. Sometimes it's for a little protracted time. I went through a time like that that lasted a year long when I was a university student. Sometimes it's short time. But here's the thing. I am convinced that as you, that, that I have learned that as I regularly, whether I feel like it, whether I've got anything to offer, I crack open my Bible and I just expose myself to truth in some way that I, with what feeble strength I have, say, God, help me. I, I can't hear you, but I need you in some way. And as I do those things, as I try to be kind to people, to, to, be, to step into serving other people, as I have times of worship here. See, that's what's so great about coming to a time like chapel, here, uh, worship teams like Gospel Chapel is a great example of this, that they take you to a place that you could not go on your own. That's why corporate worship is so important because you may come in here and think, I just, I got nothing. But something that we do together, corporate worship can take you and bring you to a place that you couldn't have gotten on your own. And I'm convinced that as we, we expose ourselves to those things, as we serve other people, as we care, as we sacrificially live, that in those moments that you could not be in a better place for God to in some way just get a little, and this is the way it was for me, just a little bright bloop on the horizon of your spiritual life. And in that, I think God will continue to speak to you. All right. So if we want God to teach us his way so that we can walk in this path, how does this happen? And what are the practical steps by which this occurs? Well, there are two things I want to focus on. First of all is to unite my heart to fear your name. Okay, unite my heart. That phrase just caught me. I don't know why. That How does unite my heart to fear you? And how does fear exist in the life of a Christian? Because in some ways, there's this, we're supposed to fear God. And if you read the Old Testament, this is something that you hear regularly about what God was asking. But then later on in this Psalm, verse 15, 86, 15, it says, but you, O God, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So how do we find the balance of fearing God, a legit fear of God, but this intimate sort of uh, nearness and tenderness of God? Like, how do we find the balance of that? A few years ago, I was watching a talk by Francis Chan. He was talking about this very thing. And he was he was raising the point about the fear of God. He said, so if I were to ask you, when you think of the fear of God, what comes to your mind? He said, for most people now, they would say, mm, respect. Fear of God uh, is respect. I probably, a lot of people here would say the same thing. But he said, okay, that 
let's just think about that for a second. When you have two people, one in the Old Testament, one in the New, Isaiah, and I just read this the other day in my quiet time, Isaiah chapter six is an experience where Isaiah the prophet comes before God. And then the gospel, uh, sorry, Revelation and uh, John the apostle there is recording what he sees in his experience when he comes before God. And he, only Francis Chan could say it this way, but he goes, you're gonna kill me, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. You get through what Isaiah says and what, Isaiah, and what John says, it's not just, hey, I respect you, God. A lot of respect here. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. I am so overwhelmed in this moment that it's, I am so over my head here. And in thinking about this, I want to show you something. This is a video clip. Years ago, I was in uh, Botswana, and then I traveled with a buddy up to Zimbabwe, and we went rafting on the Zambezi River. It's a big thing to do. And what they do when you do it, they take a video of you and then they try to sell you the video afterward. Well, my friend did end up buying the video. And I've got a picture here of an experience that I had where I felt like I was in this, I'm gonna die, I'm, gonna, I'm so in over my head. I just, I don't know if I'm gonna survive this moment. Uh, now, the, the scene you're gonna see is not the raft we were on, but we were behind that, but it sure captures what went down. And just pay attention. There are two people kind of on the front. One of them, there are two, and then there's one. So there's one that gets uh, ripped off, and that would have been my plight had you seen the raft I was on. So if you can show that video, I know it's a little grainy, but this captures what I'm trying to communicate. All right. That was one of my scariest moments in my life because once I got ripped off, and the thing is, I just started to get rolled underneath that wave, and I couldn't figure out what end was up. I don't, you know, it's time all of a sudden, like seconds are like, it took forever to get out of that. I'm sure it didn't take that long. But to me, this gave me a picture of this idea of a fearsomeness and overwhelmness that I believe you and I have to maintain some, in some part of our mind before God. So why? So then how does th th something of that kind of fear unite our heart? For one, it stops me in that moment from looking at God and saying, yeah, maybe I'll do it. Yeah, maybe I won't do that. Because in those moments like Isaiah had and John had, th the very last thing that would ever have crossed their minds would be to stand up and say, yeah, maybe I'm into this, maybe I'm not into this that the kind of fear that we need God to foster in our lives and for it to be a part of the way that we think and live, it has to be an end to the presumption that we can just mess around with God. There's got to be a reverence and a respect for what, who God is. And in those moments, the way that happens is, we have to let go of our idols. That's one of the things as I've read the Old Testament that you get that so often that God through his prophets will say, you need, I want you to fear me so that you will let go of the things that you hold so tightly to. And that's what an idol is. It's not so much, it, it may be a created thing, but it's something that we put our hope and happiness, safety, security, significance, all of those things, we start to invest in those versus realizing that ultimately they come from God. There was a chapel speaker, and I don't remember who it was. I mean, I went to chapel. I've gone to chapel for a lot of years. And this is a great phrase. I should not, I don't remember who was it that said it, but I remember the phrase, I should not hold onto my idols so tightly so it will not hurt so bad when God peels my fingers off of them. That, I have not forgotten that. And one of the things that fear will do, a healthy fear 
is that we begin to let go of the things that we think we can prop our lives up with and we see it accurately. We see God accurately. One final point about the fear of God, and this was so good for me to see. This is Jeremiah 32, yeah, 39. It's on the screen there. And this is Jeremiah talking to uh, the Israelites and it's saying with their return, they will be my people and I will be their God and I will give them one heart and one way and they, that they may fear me always. And okay, this is the part right here. For their own good and for the good of their children after them. Such an important part of understanding why fear is important. Because here's the deal. When I just mess around and I just do what I want and I don't take this like, God, I want to please you. I want to walk in your commands. When I step outside of that, it affects me. But here's the deal. It affects people that I affect. When I live this way, it affects my children. When I live this way, it affects the people at church that I interact with. Other people bear the burden. And to me, this is a huge step in spiritual maturity, is always seeing your life in relationship to other people. Because to me, that is one of Satan's main tools is to think, hey, this is your life. This is you. It's, it won't affect anybody. Not, there won't be anybody else. It's just you. That's never the case, that our lives always affect people, maybe in this moment, but by choosing to consume this, it does affect another person. So to me, this Jeremiah 32 is so helpful in being, seeing again why the fear of God is so important because of the sake of other people, the effect it will have on others. Okay, and then the last point that I wanna make, and this is following in through the verse, that I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all of my heart. I will give thanks to you with all of my heart. So what is the effect that gratitude has on an individual? So why is it, you know, if you read um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, this is God's will for you, that you, for you to be thankful, for you to be grateful. For one, and this is connected to fear, that having a spirit of gratitude, it reminds you and I that all of the good things that we have are from God. Because in an affluent society where we have so much just at our fingertips, that gratitude is a way to turn our heads back to thank you, God, for all of these things. And our, our daily life can just get busy with this and this and this. We're doing, you know, we love our phone, our computer, we got school, we got this. It puts us back and say, thank you, God, so much for the good things that we have received today already from your hand. And second, being grateful, having a spirit of gratitude closes the loop. And what I mean by this, when God is good to you, he provides a great thing for you. Let's say he provides a great meal, like whatever your favorite meal is, that is put in front of you. There is something, like if you're like me, if it's like, okay, for me it would be barbecue brisket, oh, really good barbecue brisket. It's like you step into another dimension when you're eating really good barbecue brisket. And the I can't help but go, oh, this is so, I can't help but make a sound. I can't, it, I can't help but say something. If I'm going for a bike ride in Vancouver and I'm go, going up over the, uh, the, the Lionsgate Bridge or somewhere where it's beautiful panorama, I cannot help but say, thank you, God. And there's something about expressing gratitude that closes the loop by saying, oh, thank you, that it completes a good gift. It's just like when somebody gives you a good thing. It, it closes a loop and it completes it. So to me, that is why 
Gratitude should be central in our lives. And when we do that, as the last part of this verse says, we will glorify your name forever. All of these things work, God speaking, we responding, our heart being united in a fear of him and us expressing our gratitude. We'll then put our, we'll set the trajectory of our life toward one where we, our lives glorify God forever. So to review, again, I would encourage you as you go through the doldrums of February is to look at Psalm 86, 11 and 12 and to begin your day with teach me your way that I can, teach me your way, O Lord, that I can walk in your truth. And then ask God to reestablish his, uh, a a really healthy version of fear. Not that you're trembling or that you can't approach because God is all of the things of compassionate, kind, tender, loving but that there's a respect that is deep and vast there as well. And that you take time to thank God too as you head through busy times and lives that can pull you away. All right, let me pray for you and then we will head out the door. Lord, thank you so much for this day and for this word to us. I pray that this is true, that we would hear you, that we would long to hear you and that we would do our part to follow you. Thank you for, again, the moment that we have to stop and receive a message from you. And we commit this day and this word uh, to our lives and to what lies ahead. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.